everybody. It's Sue Bidstrup with the Great Big Yes podcast. On this podcast, I speak to people who have said yes to a greater calling on their lives, people who are living with passion and purpose and making a difference in the world. Thank you for being here. And I want to thank everybody who listened to the podcast in 2017. We're in a new year. Happy New Year. And this is my first podcast of 2018. So thank you all for your encouragement and your support. I'm excited to um, launch the podcast again this year. I'm speaking today with Kelly Johnson. She's the author of Being Brave, A 40-Day Journey to the Life God Dreams for You. And you're going to love this book. We talk about resiliency. We talk about vulnerability. We talk about courage. We talk about faith. And there's just so much good stuff here. So I can't wait for you to hear from Kelly. Kelly and I met when we were on the launch team for Jen Hatmaker's book, For the Love. And then we were on the launch team also for her book, uh, Of Mess and Moxie. And so um, we've known each other for a few years. And I just really respect Kelly and the way that she approaches life with grace and kindness. And she's curious. And she just has a lot of beautiful things to say here in this interview. So I know you're going to love it. And I hope you enjoy. Welcome back. Thanks for being here. All right. Hi, Kelly. Hi. It's so good to talk to you. I'm so excited. We have been talking about this for months, right? To get this on Absolutely. the Absolutely. Maybe even years. We're moving <laughs> we're moving into possibly years at this point. Yep. I'm I excited to be here too. I love it. All right. So for my listeners, I am speaking with Kelly Johnson, and she's the author of a new book called Being Brave, A 40-Day Journey to the Life God Dreams for You. And so I just have to say up front, I love everything about that. Like I love, I want to talk about being brave. I love the idea, of course, of the life God dreams for you. Um, So let's just kind of start there. How did you come up with the title? Like how did you decide what the book was going to be about? Well, that's kind of two different questions in the sense of the title was something that really, to be completely honest, um, I knew it was all about being brave, but then that second part has is something that sort of evolved over the process of working with the publisher and kind of their vision for how they wanted me to fine-tune what I had started with. And the book itself began as a response to some retreats that I was doing. I, I have been doing since um, October of 2015. I've been leading retreats around this idea of being brave and what it looks like to step out of our comfort zone and step into perhaps the more that we feel like God's been inviting us to. And this, the book grew out of a, um, what I felt like was a need for follow-up so that when people left from the retreat, they would have something in their hands to help them to continue to dig into the topics that we had talked about in the retreat. So I developed a six-week um, devotional guide that I gave to my retreat participants, and then eventually someone suggested, you know, perhaps people from a broader audience might find this meaningful, and it turned into a book. Okay, I love that. Okay, so I think I need to back it up for the listeners, too, because you are a life coach, right? Yes. Okay, tell us a little bit about, like, what you do and, like, how you started hosting retreats. Sure, sure. So my background initially is I have a master's in social work, and I worked in the mental health and substance abuse field 
for about 15 years before um, I decided to retire for a few years, like many of us do, uh, to stay home with my girls. And so I worked as a counselor, a therapist, doing individual and family therapy. And I did some teaching and retreat leading during that time around some of those topics, particularly working with families of kids in recovery, teenagers in recovery. And then when I decided to get back into more working with clients again, um, I decided to look into a slightly different uh, framework for working with clients. And so I decided to go back and get my advanced certification in life coaching. And um, during that period of time, I also, this this idea of being brave and, and what that might look like, I thought, you know what I would love is to gather a group of women and talk about what I've been reading and what I've been learning and then do some group activities with them and just hear what they're thinking. And that's where the retreat came out of. It was this this idea of how we learn better when we're in community and, and wrestling it out together. And that was the, and I love leading groups. I've also led small group Bible studies for years and years and years. And so that group format is something that I find very powerful. Okay. I love that. So when we talk, when I talk to people on the podcast, what I love talking about is kind of, and you had mentioned this earlier before we started talking, but like that you always try to just do the next right thing or take, take the mm-hmm. next right step, right? And what I mm-hmm. love hearing is that you did social work and you were working in the mental health field and you were a counselor. And then it kind of, you kind of organically just kind of changed what you were doing along the way. Like, can you That's talk right. about that a little bit? Like, do you feel sure. God calling you to new things or how does that happen? Because I think there's a lot of listeners who might have a dream on their heart um, don't know kind of how to make it happen, don't know how to start, you know, and and sometimes I encourage people like with what you're doing already, think about that and like the people that you're already talking to or where you see a need, that kind of thing. Like, I don't know if you can speak right. to that at all. Like it just seems yeah, like it was absolutely. such a cool tra- trajectory of your career. Right. Right. And what happened, what was happening in the, in the, in between the being a social worker and, and deciding to go into this life coaching and writing and, and leading retreats is that all those years that I was um, doing the full-time mom thing and I was involved with my kids' schools and all of that, but I also had this, um, this hunger to, to use those skills that I had used in my in my previous career, and and I was a Stephen minister in my church, which is kind of a lay counselor kind of ministry, yeah. and then eventually over a period of time of going to small group studies, and I started feeling this restlessness, and I think sometimes that's how God calls us mm-hmm. out of our comfort zone and into that next growing season, and that doesn't mean that we're doing something wrong. It just means that we're growing, and God's ready uh, to take us into the next thing that he has for us. And what happened for me at that point in time is that I really, the more I studied scripture, the more I felt this calling that Jesus says, you know, you need to get out and take care of of the needy, of the poor, of the people that are in your community who maybe are not living this kind of um 
really, for lack of a better term, privileged life that I was I was getting to lead in the suburbs. And I got involved with a ministry in our community called the Lamb Center, mm-hmm. which is a day shelter for homeless um, folks. And I went there with a group of teenagers, and I just fell in love with the ministry that they were doing there. And I started serving there weekly, leading Bible studies, which, of course, I'd been doing for years. So again, God had been preparing me doing right. Bible studies in the church. And then I was started doing Bible studies um, at the Lamb Center, and I eventually have been serving on the board for a number of years and served as the chair of the board. And and all of that led to, um, I, I guess, that was part of my journey around this word brave. And, and what I was finding around that table at the shelter is this, this level of vulnerability and this acknowledgement of how we need each other and how we need God that was slightly different from those tables at the Bible study at my church. Oh, yes. And, and that was a part of that transition for me. And, and again, it, as you said, it's just so beautiful how God builds, you know, one, one little building block at a time. And, and then when, again, when my girls were off to college and doing their own thing and I started thinking, okay, now what? What do I want to do? All of those pieces of the puzzle started fitting together for this next journey, this next thing. Right. And he doesn't waste anything. Like that's Mm-mm. the most beautiful thing about it. You can look back, I'm sure, and see, like you said, how he had been preparing you by leading, having you lead Bible studies. And then when it was time for you to serve um, at the Lamb Center, you were ready. You know, he, right. he exactly. prepares and he provides. And that's such a beautiful um, testimony to that. So speaking of the Lamb Center, you, uh, part of the proceeds of your new book go, go there. Is that right? Right. It just, it, the, in the book, um, I use some stories along the way of some of the folks that I've met at the Lamb Center and how that interaction with them, and also the way the Lamb Center community as a whole is just so dependent on prayer and, and leaning into God to provide every single detail of, what, of the ministry and of what happens there. And so it just makes sense for me that part of you know, any, any proceeds that I might, any profits that I might make from the book that I would give a portion of that back to that ministry that is so, so meaningful to me. And I still serve there uh, once a week and I'm still on the board of directors. And, and so I know the, I know what is, you know, how God is using that place to really serve my friends there. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. All right. I want to get to um, the book uh, because Mm -hmm. I love it. I love the, tell us about the format of the book and kind of how you see people using it. Absolutely. Um, It's a six week devotional and it's, well, it's really 40 days. So approximately uh, six weeks. And that was one of the changes that as we talked, as the publisher and I talked about what our dreams and hearts for it was that they thought that 40 day format. And so it's a, it's a 40 days and it's divided well, let me back up. The, um, the theme scripture for the whole book is 2 Timothy 1.7, which says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And so the book, that's one of the, the linchpins of the book. Everything kind of boils down from that. And it's divided into three sections. We talk about God's spirit of power, God's spirit of love, and God's spirit of self-discipline. And we look at those things through this BRAVE acronym. And so we talk about the facets of being brave are bold, resilient, authentic, vulnerable, engaged, and empowered by the Spirit. And so the book is divided, each one of these days of the 40 days, 
touches on one of those facets, and it has a couple of scriptures, an illustration, and then three questions that get you thinking, hopefully, and then a prayer at the end. And so my hope would be is that it's something that people could use as a part of their, whether it be daily or whenever they have time, to to sit down and think about this concept and, and hopefully talk to God about about those places in their life where they might be desiring to find a, a greater level of, of courage. I love that. I heard somebody tell me um, one time recently, I, my daughter was struggling and she told me that she always talked to her teenage daughters and told them to find their courage. Like when, she, mm. when they were going in something, find their courage. And that really struck me because we all are brave. We all have yeah. courage, right? And sometimes it's just that reminder of um, somebody yeah. telling you that you do, right? I think we can, we can just let fear overtake us. And I think it's so, um, I love that you have the scriptures and um, I think that's awesome. I One of the words that you use that I think is such an interesting word, and I don't know if we talk about it enough, um, is resilience. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you yeah, think resilience is. Well, it's interesting as I as I started digging around in in that word, and it's that that sense of what helps us to hang in when everything in our life is telling us to give up on on many levels. And 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 you meet those people, and at the beginning of of the day or the week of of talking about resilience, I talk about my friend Jenny, mm-hmm. who has a, a chronic illness that she. Um, has been fighting, and yet she has this attitude of um, you know, she keeps a sense of humor and a positive outlook, and that doesn't mean she doesn't have days when it weighs her down, but she just hangs in there. And so I start digging around on this word resilience, and actually the, the definition has two parts. It, it's both to stand firm or to be kind of firmly rooted, but also to remain flexible and to be ad- adaptable. And so there's that dual um, characteristics, I guess, of being both both um, strong and flexible. And I think that that just really spoke to me as, a, as, as what I've seen of the people that I think of when I think of the word resilient. I love that. Of course, that to me automatically takes my mind to holy yoga because that's what I practice. And Absolutely. When I, when I teach um, holy yoga, I, we talk about being, um, you know, rooted. You root down before you rise up and that Absolutely. you um, are you have a, when you, like when we're doing our warrior poses, right? There's a different Mm -hmm. kind of warrior when you're, when you know the Lord, there's a different way of being a warrior than maybe the world might think of a warrior. And a a warrior, Mm -hmm. a Christian warrior would have, um, you know, a thick skin, uh, but a soft heart, right? So Mm, there's not this, yeah, there's not this sense of like being offended all the time or whatever. There's a resilient, that word resilience, I just Mm -hmm. love it. I want to bring it, Mm -hmm. we're going to bring it back, Kelly. We're bringing it back. um, I just think it's great because there's a softness, um, but a strength, right? Right, right. And yoga, it's it's so funny because I've I've done yoga for, or practiced yoga for years as well. And and I, I haven't thought of yoga in terms of the word resilience, but it's like my all, all the, you know, my brain's just firing at 20 different directions now. That is such a perfect, perfect uh, example of exactly what I think this resilience that we get from God is, is that it's, it's rooted in something that's bigger and deeper and stronger than us, but yet we have to learn to 
to go with the flow. We have to learn to to let go, to surrender, to yes. to turn it over, and to allow ourselves to be um, transformed and and uh, more malleable, more teachable. Yeah, yes. that's I love really that. good stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I know in scripture, it says, I love where it says in rest and stillness, you will find your salvation. And so I think mm-hmm. a lot of times in life when we're hustling and we're going after it and all of that, um, we can still be brave. Um, sometimes the bravest thing we can do is rest. Sometimes Absolutely. the bravest thing we can do is surrender. And I think that's so countercultural sometimes mm-hmm. um, that people don't recognize that. But um, but I, of course, love the stories of just with the whole great big yes, my whole real goal is to talk to people about and encourage people to take that step of faith, right? When they're afraid to understand that sometimes like we have to take that, what do they say? That first step, even if you can't see the whole staircase, you can take that right. first step, um, you know, and trust God with that and know, okay, Absolutely. it's going to be okay. And if it's not okay, you know, we can reroute. I try to tell my kids, we don't have to decide what we want to do for the rest of our lives when we're 18. Don't worry. <laughs> right, right. Isn't that the truth? And I think that sometimes we, you know, we tell our kids that. And yet we, as adults, we think, oh, well, we should have it all figured out. And a lot of the work that I do in my life coaching business is, is with, with folks who are in transition, who are at various stages, either maybe they've just gotten gone into retirement or maybe they're like me and that they, they've recently sent their kids off into the world and so they're trying to, to reconfigure their life around this extra bit of time that they have or maybe they're in a job that they don't particularly feel is fulfilling but they want, they want to do something different and they think they have to, they can't make a move until they have it all figured out yeah. and yet what I know and I'm sure your experience too is rarely do we have it all figured out that right. usually we, we know what is the next right thing to do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to head in that direction and then trust that God does see the whole big picture and that in conversation with him and prayer and study and continuing to, to really to lean into him that we begin to go, oh, okay, that's the next thing. And then that's the next thing. And what I love is when you look up and you go, oh, yeah. Now it all makes sense. Yes. I see why this happened and then this happened and then this happened. So, yes. Uh, oh, I know. I love that too. Stuff. And and it's reassurance for the next time when we want to take the step because we can see in right. in our life where God has come through and he is trustworthy and um maybe it's a windy road and it's not what we imagined, but um right. yeah, I love that. So do you think this is just kind of a question I wanted to ask you. Do you think some people are born braver than others or more confident than others? Like that they're just, you know how you meet some people and they just, Mm -hmm. they don't seem to have that fear or that hesitation. Like, I think that's fascinating when you meet people, they're just full speed ahead with, you know, they don't have, um, any limitations or any hesitations. I don't know. Have you found that? Well, I think what I'm beginning to believe as I think about that very question is that a lot of times we compare our insides to other people's outsides. That's true. And so we see that person who seems to be taking bigger risks and doing bolder things and doing, you know, things that we look at and we think, oh, okay, well, they're so super confident in there. And so we assume because we see those behaviors on the outside that they aren't terrified, that they aren't yeah. feeling that fear or that, um, that 
reticence in themselves and that they and and what I'm beginning to believe as I talk to more and more people is that really those are just the people who say yeah I'm terrified but I'm I'm going to do it anyway do it you know afraid. my daughter yeah yeah just, do yeah. it afraid exactly obey scared go forward and I know for for me as I have Recently, you know, I'm talking this talk, right? And I, I feel like I have to walk the walk as well, and I have to step out there. And, and I've had people say to me, you know, oh, well, you're, you're so much more confident or you're so much because they see me doing this. And I'm like, I am terrified all the time. I am always, <laughs> you know. But, but I also am beginning to believe that going into those kinds of situations, those things that scare me, you know, Bob Goff talks about living right on the edge of yikes. Yes. And I, I, and, love, and I love that because it, it's, that's where the adventure is. That's where the fun stuff is. That's where the, you know, the, well, for instance, my daughter has struggled with anxiety um, all through her life, but she also has this stubborn will that says, I am not going to miss out on anything. And she is the bravest person I know, because I know that 90% of the time, you know, her stomach is in a knot going into a new situation or trying something new, because that's, you know, kind of how she's wired. And yet she has just made up her mind that she's going to live a big, brave life. And so I think sometimes it's not that people have more, um, inborn confidence or courage it's just that they have made up their mind that they're going to do it anyway and and as as you and I believe how much more can we have that confidence when we believe that there is someone who's looking out for us who has our best interests at heart and who is willing to come alongside and be with us even in those moments when we're frightened what would you say, you brought up your daughter, and I know she was a big part of this as far as um, kind of starting you on the journey to like talking about being brave and all of that. Like how, how, what would you say to a mom right now who has a daughter that's struggling or maybe feels scared or maybe doesn't feel brave? And, you know, I mentioned earlier, like telling your child to find their courage and that can seem empty right. and fall on them as like kind of trite and empty if we don't if we don't know how to explain how to do that, right? Like, I just feel like as moms, um, for young women, I want to help. I want to help in any way that I can based on my own experience. You know, I want to, um, kind of save them from some of the pitfalls, which I know I can't with my daughters. They have to live their own lives. They have to live their own lives, but some solid advice. I mean, I love, I mean, I would just give your book. (laughs) We could just (laughs) give your book. Um, but well, you know what I'm one saying? of the things I think for me, what I've learned from our journey, and, and as I talk about at the beginning of the book, this all came about when Brooke was was little. Like I think I say in the book it's nine. I think it was, you know, somewhere in there, seven, eight, nine, and she just was having such a hard day and, and I was trying to fix it. You know, I was trying to distract her, I was trying to comfort her, I was trying to, you know, I was doing all that mom stuff that we do, how we try to make it better rescue, for them. And finally rescue, I looked at her. Rescue. Yeah. Right. And I finally looked at her and I said, I do not know what to do for you. I have tried everything I know to do. And she looked at me and she said, Mommy, I just need you to tell me I'm a brave soldier. And Mm. for me, at that moment, it just was a shift for us because what it became about was it was a reminder that she didn't need me necessarily to fix it. She needed me to come alongside her and, and cheer her on and say, you know what? 
you have courage, you have bravery, you have the ability to solve this problem. And it gave her access then to that inborn, what I believe that God has given us from, and and what scripture says, that we have that inborn courage, we have that creativity and resourcefulness, and we have these good brains. And, and, and sometimes we, we come in as moms, and we, and we try to fix it, and we try to solve the problem for them. And I think what I'm learning, and this is, I'm still learning, and she's now 21, um, is to say to, to, to my girls, and I have an older daughter too, and the same thing goes with her, is to say, well, what have you tried? Well, yeah. what, what do you know to do? How are you going to take care of yourself in this? What, are, what do you think would be the best way to solve this problem? And then to say, and I think this is particularly true with older kids, is to say, well, do you want my input? Do you, would you like my, um, my advice? Or I'm happy to share with you something that's worked for me. And when we say to our kids, when we speak to them in those kinds of ways, we say, I believe you have the ability to solve this. You don't need me to swoop in here. And and obviously it's different when you're talking to a, you know, a six-year-old than when you're talking to a 20-year-old. But but I think sometimes, um, I know for me anyway as a mom, that I just don't want them to hurt. Yes. I don't want them to, you know, to feel that pain. But yet sometimes they just need us to go, you know what, you got this, girl. You can do this. Yes. It's calling out their own bravery, calling out their own courage. Right. And then also just... Um, yeah, I love that you said, do you want my input versus just giving it? <laughs> right? And, and my girls, if my girls listen to this, they are totally laughing right now because um, I, I remember to do that about a third of the time, you know, that before I launch into, um, and I actually have even a couple of times now said, I'm sorry, I am giving you advice and I didn't ask if you wanted it. Um, yeah. Would you like to hear this? And uh, no. And it's funny that Nine times out of ten, particularly now that they're not teenagers anymore, they actually do want my input. You know, they they do value it. But when I'm respectful enough to say, hey, you know what, you are super smart and I bet you already know what you need to do next. I think what happens when, and the kids are a little, like you said, it's a little bit different because maybe they're safety, they're in danger or something. And we need to rescue. However, I feel like then it becomes kind of a pattern. And then as parents, I know for myself, sometimes it just was easier for me to just fix it or solve it, you Mm -hmm. know? And um, so I think we all, I think one of the biggest things too, I like to um, share with young moms is like, it's okay. Like, it's okay. You're okay. They're going to be okay. (laughs) Like, we're all, you know, and we don't do it perfect every time, but um, just that general sense of that they know that you believe in them, I think is so empowering for them. Well, and I think also when they see us stepping out of our comfort yes. zone and trying new things and and being willing to fail and being willing to try something that we feel awkward and that we're a beginner and doing something new. When they see us living our lives in that way, then that gives them the, the courage. You know, what they always say about that our kids learn more by what we do than what we say. Right, it's and I think that's a part of, <laughs> yeah. right, that yeah. that's a part of what, I'm trying to remember as I, you know, I've never been a a woman in my 50s before. I am making this up as I go along. And yet I think about those kind of things. What is the example that I want to leave for my daughters about how to live a life that is ruled more by curiosity than fear? 
and and that you know is is a legacy that that I want to I want to give to my girls. That is so good. I love what you just said. Yes. And the legacy piece too, like the whole um you know, what do I want them to learn? What do I want them to remember? Like are you is your mom still living? Yes, she is. Are you and my mom, mom is yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and she's so she's been such a huge supporter of mine my whole my whole life. I always say she's my biggest cheerleader, my biggest fan. Yeah. And um and it's been really fun since the book came out. She as moms are want to do, bought a bunch of them oh, and yeah. has been and gave them out to all her friends and so now what she does is anytime one of her friends texts her like with yeah. some sort of, you she know, like oh I really you. like day whatever, she forwards it to oh, me. Yeah. So and, and it's really fun. She's like, "Oh, this is what so and so said or this is what, you know." And so she just still she's and and my mom had a tough, you know, a tough life. She was a single mom for for a few years after she and my dad split and um and and she she's just been such an example of courage and bravery and and also like you said I love what you said about um that balance of fierce courage but a tender heart yeah. too and and that is something that in this this drive to be brave that I think one of the things that I really um think is is at the heart of this message that um I'm you know, is in the book is, is that, that, that middle part, the authenticity and vulnerability yes. is that without that tender heart, um, we just become a, a, a doing machine instead yes. of a, a being a, a real human being. And that, that heart is such an important, you know, that connection, that love, you know, it's not about achieving. It's about, you know, how do we impact the people around us by the way that we love And uh, my mom's been an amazing example of that to me. Oh, I love that. It makes me cry. I love my mom too. She's so, like you said, the biggest cheerleader. And I want to be that for my kids. And and I am, but they they think I'm super cheesy. But later in in life, you realize it. Like you're like, I'm very grateful for that because all Uh along I felt like I could do things because my mom told me I could, which is pretty cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. She called out the brave in you, right? Yeah, so good. That's a beautiful thing. mentioned vulnerability and I know that's kind of like Mm -hmm. a big buzzword and um, it makes Mm -hmm. me think immediately of Brene Brown and so I'm assuming you probably read her books and and like her. I I do. I do. Yeah there's a portion of my retreat that uh, is really based on some of um, of the work that that she does and and I do I think that's super important because I think it's for me one of the hardest well, one of the places that I have to dig the deepest for courage is in being vulnerable. Mm. And so I think that talking about that aspect of bravery is a really important piece of this. You know what I realized is I feel like um, for some of my life and in certain circles, there's absolutely no vulnerability. You know, you mentioned Mm -hmm. at the beginning of when we first started talking about what a different um, kind of how you saw something so different when you were um, at the Lamb Center than you did when you were at the Bible study at church. And and I, I've heard Rob Bell talk about when he was preaching at church and someone said, you need to go downstairs to the Alcoholics Anonymous meeting because that's where the real church is happening. <laughs> and I think of those kinds of situations because I've had those things in my own life as well, where I've been sitting in a room of a lot of women and I felt super lonely and I felt like mm-hmm. nobody here is saying anything real. And I think that gets so overwhelming for women that they shut down and they don't go back. And so for me, it's really important that we're 
trying to build spaces where we can truly say, you know what, when someone asks me if I'm having a good day, it's okay to say, actually, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and, and I think a part of that is how do we build safe and courageous places, yes. spaces? You know, how do we become that space so that we can then have that space? Yeah. You know, and that's, um, yeah, that's the challenge, right? And that's what I think this conversation is about. Uh, I'm, I'm going through the book with, with a group of women from my church right now. And um, it, it, the questions that I invite them to consider in their small groups, um, I'm like, hey, here's the deal. I, I, you might be uncomfortable talking yeah. about some of this, but that's okay. You know, we can be uncomfortable together. And, yes. and sometimes may, finding those places, and obviously we don't want to, you know, have a lack of boundaries and, right. you know, be sharing our deepest, darkest <laughs> thoughts with strangers, right. uh, you know, but, but yet that finding that balance of who are our people, who, where are those safe places? Who are the people that are going to name me brave and call that out in me? Yes, that's beautiful. Yeah, I think that's a great goal for all of us. And, and I think it begins with if someone is vulnerable to us or around us, how do we respond? Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know? I mean, exactly. because we can't judge and condemn right away. We need to listen at all, ever judge and condemn. But I mean, right. we need to listen and, and really allow that kind of what we were saying about our daughters where we don't need to fix people. Right. And that's one of the things that I've noticed in small group settings um, that that often happens is somebody shares something vulnerable. They share, uh, you know, that they're really struggling with this or that even that they've really messed up in a certain way. And immediately everyone in the group tries to fix them. Yeah. And oh, tell you're them, okay. It's tell okay. Them, oh, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is all the reasons why you shouldn't feel bad. Yes. And and that is done out of love. That yes. is done out of kindness. That is done out of, that isn't a malicious intent, but yet what it does is it, it, it shuts that person down yeah. and it invalidates that. And so to say something along the lines of, gosh, thank you so much for sharing that. I can see that that's really hard for you. Yes. Then that person is seen and heard instead of their feelings being um, fixed. You know, like, oh, that's uncomfortable for me to hear you talk about that. So, and like I said, it's not done out of uh, anything malicious at all. It's just, it's our society, right? Pain is bad, so let's fix it. Pain is bad, um, let's fix it. And also silence is awkward, let's fill it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Which exactly, we don't no. need to always do. And sometimes it's right. better to just kind of be still with that person. You know, um, yeah. I we have someone who had her, her husband passed away recently in our community. And she's in our Bible study. And we were talking about how to, a woman was there um, with the grief group. She's like a grief counselor. And she was just explaining mm-hmm. some of that. You know, we don't need to to fix anything or to offer any empty platitudes right now. It's the ministry of Mm -hmm. presence. You know, we can just be with her. We can just be there. Um, And I think after when people, when you know you can count on people to just kind of be there and not try to fix you that, then you feel safe to continue in that conversation. And so, yeah, I think that should be your next book, Kelly. I think you should write a book about (laughs) um, like how we like, because I love all that. I learned that uh, some of that in small group leadership training, right? Like how Mm -hmm. to kind of, but I think that's all such good um, advice just for as we, 
you know, in our society, the way we talk to each other has really gone downhill. <laughs> um, right. We right. could use oh a goodness. little bit of grace and understanding and um, safe spaces of, for all of that. But Absolutely. yeah, that's good stuff. Well, good I love stuff. this conversation and I know we could go on and on, but um, I would love to just have you pray for us if you don't mind. Um, and then I would love I'll let that. you go. I would right. love that. Absolutely. Father, thank you so much for my sister Sue and for the the beautiful way that she has said yes to you by inviting fellow sojourners in here for this this um, this safe and courageous space that she has created here on this podcast. And so I ask you to bless her ministry and her family and her life. And Lord, I thank you for this this topic of being brave and and I thank you for this opportunity for us to dig deeply into your word and the uh, the spirit that you have given us of power love and self-discipline and so father we ask that, that you we will be um, aware of your presence as we go into the rest of our day and that we do the next right thing in confidence that you're with us every step of the way mm. it's in Jesus name we pray amen Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. I have loved talking to you.